Hi, welcome to recommendations for your my, my wait, who's a taco spouse? For someone's a taco spouse. I'm Jen and I'm Wes. So let's get started. So are we sticking with that intro? Yeah, sure, why not? Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who's a taco spouse it is, but it's somebody's a taco spouse and they made the play a video game this time called Oberdin. Return of Oberdin. The Return of Oberdin if you want to Yes, fine. It's the pendantic, return of Uber Yes. I think for this game, being pendantic is entirely acceptable. That's actually probably a fair point. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I will accept my platitudes. So, for those who don't know, Oberdin is sort of a murder mystery video game. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It started off on the PC and came to Switch probably not that recently. We're just really slow at picking things up. I don't pay attention to release dates. Well, yeah, exactly. Unless I walk into a store and see a giant line of people all trying to buy Animal Crossing. <laughs> or Animal Crossing Switches. Yeah, or that. But we're not talking about Animal Crossing. We're talking about Oberdin. Yes, we are. Um, so the reason we ended up playing this game was it was a recommendation by me, but I'd never played it before. Yes. And what happened was I played, because it was free on PSN, The Witness. We played The Witness. Well, I played it and then... I got stuck, so I asked Wes to help me. Fair enough. Um, but so it ended up turning into the two of us were playing it. I was just the one running around the map and then going, how would we solve this? And we worked together and it was really great fun. I mean, I really enjoyed solving puzzles with you. Yeah, it was actually it was a lot of fun. But I had the same problem with the witness that I had with Oberdin. Yes, I think we'll get to that. Okay. I want to make a point first. It's the fact that I then mentioned that we were playing the witness to a friend of mine and he recommended Overdone. So it's his fault. It is. It, it is. It, it is his fault. Yes. I just can't speak today. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but it was on PC at the time, PC exclusive, and so I didn't get around to getting it. And then it w- came out on Switch at some point, and I was like, "Oh yeah, you can finally get this." So I bought it, and then it sat on a Switch for several months. Was it that long? I think so. Mm, we're bad at this. Uh, we we play games when we play them. In my defense. You had Splatoon, and I had Girls and Panzer Dream Tank Match Deluxe. Well, you still have Girls and Panzer. I yeah. guess I still have Splatoon. But oh, now we're done with Oberdin. Yes. Yes. Yes, we finished Oberdin. And so what did you think? Well, as I alluded to a moment ago, I had the same problem initially with Oberdin that I had with Witness. And that is, for some reason, I cannot play these games for longer than 15, 20 minutes without just getting horribly seasick. Again, appropriate for this game. But I don't know what it is. Um, I've played first-person games forever growing up, and these two games just do something to me. Uh, people online are talking about field of view. They're talking about head bob. They're talking about frame rate. They're talking about all sorts of things. Unfortunately, the fixes you always hear for the PC versions, and you can't really open up a terminal to change your eye and eye settings or anything like that on a switch so for both these games really jen was in control of the controller and i would just sit there and be the peanut gallery and be like hey notice me notice me listen <laughs> hey listen well not really so much because you couldn't focus on the screen when i was walking around without going Bleh. that's true but you would like read in Oberdin being a murder mystery your post fact you're trying to find out why all these people on this boat are dead and there's a bunch of things there's a bunch of dialogue and things that you read and there's a book and all that and so you'd read out parts from that be like wait a minute 
you said this now, but you also said this 10 minutes ago, and those two are linked. And I'd be like, aha, excellent point, Wes. And so the two of us would jump backwards and forwards, or if there was something on the screen I wanted him to look at, I'd get into position and be like, okay, Wes, you can look. Okay, I'm going to move now. Look away. Yeah. And it, it worked out pretty well. It did work out in the end. Well, there was one point where you were controlling the controller, and we're like, I know maybe if you if you actually played it yourself, you wouldn't feel so sick. And then after 15 minutes, you were like, oof, I feel gross. And I was like, oh, I feel gross too. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know what it is about these games. No, I don't know. Well, the weird thing is, is that we played um, Skyrim VR at a friend's house. Yes. And I put the goggles on because I've wanted to play Skyrim, Skyrim VR forever, like to the point where I just wanted to get completely lost in the world of Skyrim again. And Wes would be like, oh, you never see me again and then we joke haha but you'd see me all the time and but i'd be never see you because i'd be in skyrim yeah and so i put the goggles on and five seconds later i'm like oh god oh no oh i feel like i'm gonna hell and you put the goggles on and you were fine you were playing it for a good 20 minutes i was like that's so not fair well that's because there's people to kill and it might also be be because i can't actually focus in playstation goggles oh yes because you might be farsighted yeah Whatever it is, if something's too close to my eye, I can't see it. But it seems to be really hit or miss on what is. And I don't know how it works, but all I know is that no matter how much they say fiddle with the settings, PlayStation VR is always slightly blurry to me. That's sad. And so maybe that's in some way. I don't know what causes it or what doesn't, but this game and The Witness both were just no bueno. Visually. Visually. I did, speaking of visuals... Um, the two games are also completely opposites and that The Witness goes for this hyper-saturated viewpoint, whereas this is trying to replicate like an old Mac 2 game, where it's entirely black and white. It feels really low res. It's literally black and white. So the contrast comes from dithering. Um, when they want grays, they just... Speckle yeah, white. They, they yeah. dither in the white and the black to give you different shades of gray and all that. And so that's, it's really interesting to look at um for someone who didn't grow up with a mac 2 i for when i first started looking at it, especially because i swear when the game boots up instead of white it's kind of this pale green color so for me i was getting flashbacks to the original game boy i might have accidentally changed the visual settings without thinking about it because you can go into the settings and change it to things like classic linux and different options no okay so, but, but I, I don't remember what i did yeah but you were whatever you did, you were trying to make it so I wouldn't feel as queasy, and it didn't work. So there we go. But it is—it's a very interesting visual choice. I don't know if, like back in our Promare episode, we talked about or I brought up how I thought they some of the city choices were made, both with the technical limitations in mind as to what you can do to fit the story with that. And I don't know because this was created by one guy. If some of the choices were made because of that but then i do remember reading something online about the game where it was talking about how it actually when i was looking for the fixes it was talking about how the filters they use to create the effect actually require a fair bit of processing power hmm. so i don't know how much if you know it's definitely a stylistic choice but how much was technologically limited limit limited or otherwise i wonder if it's because um the creator um lucas pope also made papers please which is a 2D, I guess, pixel? Yeah, I guess it was kind of pixel-style animation where you play a, a security guard um, checking visas for people getting into a non-specific country. And that's... I guess it, it had a very... In, well, a, way, in it, a way, it had a similar dark feel. 
I mean, from what I've seen, it looks very Eastern Bloc slash East West Berlin, but yes, but non-specific country. Or I guess uh, no, the the country does have a name, but I can't remember what it is. But it's a fictional place. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> um, but I did find like I actually completely forgot that he worked on Papers Please and while we were playing the game because it just felt very different in terms of gameplay. But from I haven't played Papers Please, but from what I've heard of it, it's very much again you need to have a very close attention to detail. Yes. And in this game, you need to have a very close attention to detail. Uh, There are things that, you know, you see one thing in one place, and then you see one thing somewhere else, and that's the only clue you're going to get as to who someone might be. Yeah. So so how the gameplay plays in Oberdin, if you don't know, is you are walking around a ship with a stopwatch that lets you see a vision of when somebody died. Yeah, so, so you, you find, find a body. You find a body, you activate the watch, and you go back in time to the moment of their death. And you have to work out how did they die, who killed them. And who are they? And who are yeah, who are they? Because you've got a body. That's it. And you have 60 crew members. That's 60 murders to solve. Well, no, you've got like 55 crew members and a bunch of, well, 50 crew members and 10 passengers. You have 60 people on the ship. Yes. And you have to solve all of, well, you and have to monkey. find out what happens to them. And one monkey. And a cow. And a goat. And a goat. Yes. We never solved what happened to the goat. I don't think anything did happen to the goat. Something happened to the goat. It wasn't there when we found the boat. Oh, yeah. Maybe they ate it. Well, the goat is lost at sea. Ah, does that count as spoilers? It gave away that we don't know what happens to the goat? <laughs> no. Okay. We already said everyone on the boat dies. True. I mean, Spoiler you, you were on a ghost ship finding out what happened to a bunch of people. The second I thought you said we were on a goat ship. Bah. <laughs> But it's, uh, I re- just, the game was cool when you jump into someone's death and you just see the scene around you in like a freeze frame, um, kind of matrix style. Yeah. Cause when you go back into someone's death, like when you're in present time, you have limited free reign of the ship, which sounds weird, but the ship slowly opens as you go back in the past more. But when you, and then you can just run around the ship and look at things. But when you go into someone's death, you really only get a glimpse of what was around them when they died. So you might be on the cargo deck and you'll have a seeing them dying in you know, a myriad of fashions. And then you'll have a glimpse of what else is around them on the cargo deck, but you're not going to be able to go check the other decks or things like that. And so when you go into someone's death, you'll see other people that were near them when they died. And sometimes those will be the clues you need to piece together with other deaths to figure out who people are. But I did I did feel like for not necessarily half, but maybe a third of the crew, actually, yeah, probably even half, there felt like a lot of guesswork based on their looks and their names and kind of racial stereotypes. Oh, 100%. There definitely felt like a part of the game that we got to when we had seen... Everything. The vast majority of the flashbacks. Yeah. And yet we still had a bunch of unsolved people. And so at that point, it was kind of a, what do I know about the Age of Sail? No, what do you know about the Age of Sail? Because I knew said. nothing. And you were like, oh, well. That's what I just said. What do I know about steward, the Age of Sail? The, uh, the steward's mate would probably be this and this. And I'm like, how do you, how do you know this? <laughs> because of how they're dressed. Because you're a history nerd. Because a gentleman would never... Just fool around with the lower classes. <laughs> Actually, a number of times you'd be like, oh, no, no, he can't be an officer because he isn't wearing any sleeves. Yeah. He's half naked. He can't possibly be an officer. And it was true. <laughs> and it was true, yeah. <laughs> no, but it is, there's, 
There's an element of metagaming almost. But someone in the game who was supposed to go onto the ship to find out what happened would also know this. Correct. But the game doesn't give you that information. So if you don't know that as the player, i.e. me, I probably wouldn't have put two and two together without probably more more of an effort looking at things like the photo, well, the drawings that were provided. Now those two were photo. Oh, yeah, they were artists. It wasn't a photograph, right? Yeah, we're 1800s. Yeah. I think it was before photography. I'd have to look it up, but yeah. Um, what was it? There was... Um, offices. Oh, yeah, that's so knowledge. we were talking about the uh, stereotypes. Yes. And as part of your crew manifest, they give you where everyone's from. Yes. And you will have to use that. Yes. So <laughs> yeah. if you see someone who looks a certain way, just roll with it. Because you might be right. But there were some times when I was wrong. Like, uh, there was a group of people who I thought were one thing, and actually they were... Half of them were that thing. Half of, the, half of them were the thing that I thought, yes. Yeah. Uh, there were a couple of times when you have to listen really hard to the audio because somebody's accent is given away. Mm. And you're like, oh, this must be this person because they have an American accent. Yeah. There's also, um, because it's set in the 1800s, they maintain a lot of things from the 1800s and so for instance there's a group of taiwanese passengers but if you look at the game as is you're not going to know they're taiwanese they're formosians so there's it's it does a good job at setting its point in history and putting it on the player to figure out what's going on one thing i also really appreciated in terms of accuracy was um language there are a number of as you said formosians form formosians and chinese and um there's a Dutch guy and Scottish and Austrian, Austrian and a number of oh Russian as well and another and a number of them speak there's language like Russian Chinese yes um, traditional Chinese well wait that's text anyway and um, they actually had when you look at the credits um, linguistic advisors from all those languages from yeah. all those languages so they were really working with people to make sure that the voice acting and the language used was authentic which as a linguist i really appreciate somewhat they did take a couple of uh shortcuts to help the player who may not understand chinese oh yeah uh, so, yes so they had the chinese and the character was speaking chinese but they had the english translation after it but the english translation didn't match the chinese did it not it was localized boo <laughs> <laughs> there's um to Completely give away one of the characters because it's kind of given if you look at the pictures really quick on. Uh, one of the group of Taiwanese passengers is female. What? Spoilers. And <laughs> Sorry. In all of the other uh, Taiwanese people keep calling her young miss in Chinese. Mm. And in the English, they use her name so that you can match the manifest to get who she is. But in the Chinese, they never say her name. They always call her young miss. Oh, that's cool. I mean, that's... I'm guessing that's just how it would work. I guess, yeah, as you say, if they just called her young miss in the English translation, you wouldn't put... And then again, I guess it is kind of obvious. You don't even need them to call out her name because of she's the only, like, formation female yeah. there. But that that would also mean that you, they'd assume that you'd have to know enough about Chinese or Taiwanese names to say that's a female Taiwanese name. That is an excellent point, Yes. Just something I noticed when the Chinese subtitles were coming up. I was like, oh, we get a name that's not actually in the Chinese there. So what did you think of, um, was there anything else that jumped out at you in this game when you were actually looking at it? Um, I mean, there's a lot of things that jump out at you. <laughs> I don't want to say too many of them because of spoilers, but 
the game quickly takes an interesting twist. Yes, that was fun. Yes. And unfortunately, as a demerit, I don't think the game pays off on the twist enough. It sets up something more than just like a murder mystery, but it never sees it through to a conclusion. True. And just for clarification, we solved all of the mysteries. And once you solve all the mysteries, you get an additional chapter at the end. If you don't solve everyone, apparently you don't get that extra bit. So you don't find out what happens in the quote-unquote end. Even still in the quote-unquote end where we found out what happened, it didn't... It didn't... It didn't explain anything. It wasn't really very satisfying. Yeah, you you can kind of pick up something weird that's going on. There's there's this hint to something weird at the beginning, and then all of a sudden you go into one of the death scenes, and you look around, and you're like, wait, what the heck's going on? And you realize there's, you know, a whole lot more. You know, the weird feeling you were getting earlier where things were kind of like, what's going on with this crew? Quickly turns into a, what's going on with this ship? What's going on with this voyage? But then you never get the payoff as to why or what or how. I guess the game, in a way, is gives you a larger puzzle that it expects you to piece together. In a similar way to solving the murders or the deaths, you have to make a lot of guesswork, which I guess is in keeping with the theme of the game. But it kind of it also does suck that you don't get you have to guess the ending. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt to me like a letdown because it just at that point it allows the creator to do whatever they want because they know they don't actually have to tie it together or give you payoff. They can just kind of have things happen. Mm. And so I enjoyed the game for the parts that I could play of it. (laughs) But if I were to play through it again, I would be less invested as to like the overarching story because now I know that there's going to be no payoff for that. Well, not no payoff. I still think it's a worthwhile game to play. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's as someone who enjoys murder mysteries and the like, it was fun for that. I just wish there'd been, I mean, even at the bit where there might, you might be able to find more explanation, there's this line at the end that just like shuts it down completely. You might have to say that to me later because I'm not putting two and two together and I don't want to spoil it for anyone because I really want people to go play this game. Fair enough. Actually, that is one thing is that you wouldn't be able to play this game again because of the type of game it is. Because you know what's going to happen. You know how most of the people died. That's true. But if I were to sit right down and play it again right now, I'd remember who some of the people were and who's, how some of the deaths were. But I, there's, as you said, there's 60 fates to solve. And I couldn't just sit down and start listing them off. I think I, <laughs> I... Because I was the one in control, I was going around the ship so often that I knew where people were and how they died. Mm, that's true and yeah when we wanted to go back and look at certain memories you were just like oh i'm gonna bounce over here and go into this guy and then go into this guy and there we go yeah so yeah you've probably got a bit more of a grasp of it than i do because i i yeah you get to know these people yeah you've got kind of their deaths at least yeah <laughs> actually that was one thing is that when you one thing that really annoyed me about the game is that when you solve a death um you can sometimes activate the next death um so the watch like does this vibration thing and you hit a button and this glowing white light um shoots out and it does this woo kind of spoopy magical thing it's a death within a death but you have to watch this spooky magical thing flying around and then create the next corpse to jump into yeah and I found that actually kind of made me feel a little queasy at times. And it was just really annoying because if you're not looking at it, it doesn't move. Yeah, that. And then the other thing that also really annoyed me is when you go into a death, 
it plays this theme song. And it's like variety, but... It plays the same song when you go into a desk. And you can sit there, and sometimes there's nothing in the image. You'll have, like, the guy who's dead. You might have another guy who killed him. And there's nothing else to look at. But you're stuck sitting there staring at this until the theme song finishes, and then you can continue on with the story. That's true. You're either just stuck. And then other times, you'll go into this death, and you'll be in this huge scene, and there's all sorts of details. And you're going around, and you're looking at it, and you're going, oh, man, this has helped me solve this, helped me solve that, this helped me solve this. And when you're trying to look at all this, the theme song ends, and it jumps to something else. That's uh, It kind of opens the book to start filling in the next chapter automatically. And you're like, no, I'm still looking at stuff. Go away. And then you close the book and the And then sometimes watch the watch starts, starts vibrating. So it wants to go look at another body. And you're like, no, I want to investigate this scene. Yeah. So there's times when, like, the game doesn't let you just play it. Yes. And that's annoying. Yes. I, I think, um, I feel like it was a way to make the game feel longer without it actually being longer. Because it was sort of slight buffers to make the player take a step back and slow down rather than going jumping from body to body to body to body. So I kind of understand that from a developer's point of view that they wanted to pace the player. But as you said, players want to play at their own pace, whether that's fast or slow. So having that kind of interrupted was really annoying at times. Yeah. But then in the second half of the game, once you've seen everything, you don't have to have that slow moving thing. You can jump into a death at any time and have a look at stuff. That was one thing, though, is that if you want to jump into a death and have a look at it, you have to go to that body or go through that body into another body. And so trying in your head, you have to make sure you know how all the deaths line up and how to get to the point that you want to look at because you're missing a certain piece of detail. Yeah. <sighs> so it's not, it's not a perfect game. No game is. But it was fun. Yes. At the end, it said it took us, what, about eight hours? Yeah, just, I think, seven hours and 45 minutes. Eight hours-ish. Yeah. But that was split over a few nights. I think Including we actually... kind of the getting the hand, handle on things because of the whole queasiness. Yeah. I think there were a couple of days where we were like, oh, don't really feel like feel like playing tonight. Cause, ugh, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I'm already tired. <laughs> um, don't it's really want to feel day. seasick. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't really decide. Maybe I'm fine with not messing things up tonight. But at the same time, when we didn't play for a number of days, I found it was harder to remember things. So you kind of have to play it at kind of within a short time so you remember who's what's who. happening, who's yeah. who. Yeah, what face goes with it. Yeah, it's definitely not a game that I would play a little bit of it and then sit down and then try to come back to a month later. No, you'd have to start from the beginning. Yeah, but it's only eight-ish hours, so it's not entirely a huge investment. That's true. It's great for if you're busy with work. Yeah. One thing I find annoying about video games is when they try, they just feel like they have to make it between 50 and 100 hours long. And I'm like, no, I don't have time to finish you. Especially if you put in crappy achievements like play this game for 300 hours. You know, this is going to come as a surprise, but you don't have to platinum games. You're really cute, but I don't understand what you're saying. Play games until you're bored with them and then drop them. No, at least finish. I know I don't have to plan them in, but I have to at least finish them. And we did finish. We did finish. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> but only because it was a short game, which was good. Sure. Uh, I mean, that's one thing. Is that I Obviously, we played The Witness, which is a puzzle game, and Oberdin is a similar vein in that it's a puzzle 
but you don't really get many murder mysteries nowadays. We could go play Clue. That's a board game. Yeah. And it's not a new board game. That's true. <laughs> also, fun fact, it's called Cluedo in the UK. Yeah, you're wrong. Anyway, um, <laughs> weren't actually, weren't a lot of the Telltale games kind of murder mystery games? Yes and no. Well, okay. I mean, so... now Telltale went out of business, leaves a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, but... They're the like half wolf? visual novel, half murder yeah, mystery. Yeah, The Wolf Among Us was kind of a murder mystery, but you're. I feel like they are more like visual novels. So it's more on rails then. There's not as much deducing. No, well, no, not in terms of deducing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's terms like your your choices change things slightly, but not too drastically. Ah, uh, Mass Effect Three style. <laughs> not that bad. Okay. Um, but I mean, making a game with multiple branching options is incredibly difficult yeah yeah i really enjoyed the witness in this game because i like puzzle games and you know, i'll play tetris as much as anyone else well probably now with tetris 99 probably as, as much as some people because some people are hooked on that game and we've got a rubik's cube lying around the house and things like that are these really puzzles though they're more like it's a type of puzzle true i guess um i know it would be interesting to see more games doing that Ones that don't make me want to vomit. <laughs> but I guess other games put puzzles in their games without it being the central part of it. Um, there was... You've also been playing God of War recently, and I've been backseat gaming on that. Mm. And there was some interesting puzzles that where they take things that you've had to do before and then twist it with new abilities that you get in interesting ways. But it's not... The it's same. not the same. It's not, yeah. It still makes you think, which I enjoy, but it's, I don't know. It's, there's something about just sitting down and having to really think, think that can be really fun at times. I think, actually, you played Layton's Mystery Journey lately. Yeah, I played um, the Switch one, Catriels. Yeah, Layton's Mystery uh, Journey. But, yeah, but we said games where you have to think. Yeah, that's the point <laughs> I was going to make, is that the original Layton games had puzzles in that really made you think. Yeah, I, I mean, I first played the first three Laytons um, on DS, and then I didn't play the 3DS ones or the mobile ones. But then um, Catriel, unfortunately, and then, is... And then we got Catriel, so I skipped, I think, like four or five games in there, and then went to Catriel. And unfortunately, the puzzles just... There was too many trick answers yeah they don't so make you, you think so well the, you, because there's so many trick answers you stop thinking and you just start looking for the trick mm. which to me was a shame because i liked the trick answers or i, li I like the thinking answers i didn't like the trick answers um, i liked having to sit there and actually to to quote um cheryl i like to chew on a puzzle for a bit <laughs> and you didn't get that as much with a new one and i feel like you don't get that either in a lot of modern games that have kind of puzzles like you were saying god of war has some interesting tricks to work to getting bonus things or opening chests but it's never really a think really hard it's a observe the surrounding based on the abilities i have which mm. i think is a, in, you see in a lot of adventure games but they've been removing a lot of them too because like yes. when i think of puzzles and adventure games the first thing that's come to come going to come to mind for me is the old zelda games mm. and when you look at breath of the wild Yes. Breath of the Wild has the beasts, but it doesn't really have the traditional temple. Like, if you talk to someone about Ocarina of Time, they're probably going to, if they played it, they're going to groan and go, oh, the water temple. You know, it's a common thing for people who played that game to be like, oh, the water temple, just as a little bit of childhood PTSD. But you don't get those anymore. 
And when you look at modern games, like for instance, Spider-Man, there's little puzzles that you get in the main story of Spider-Man, but they're super easy. They're super easy. They do a couple of side puzzles that are using the same rules that they make a little more difficult, but they're they're not not really that difficult. And when you look at the ones in the actual story, it's just more of a, I mean, you could replace it with a quick time event and no one would notice. Exactly. And again, it makes me think of um, the original Tomb Raider on PlayStation. That actually had some pretty tricky stuff in it that you had to actually kind of use your brain to work out how do I get across this area without having a boulder dropped on my head. Mm. But in the actually remake of the PlayStation 1 game, which was remade on PlayStation 2, they replaced everything with quick time events. Really? And it was so bad. I'm still angry about the T-Rex scene. But anyway... Uh... So what we're saying in the end is we need more puzzle games. More puzzle games. And that makes th- you think. Therefore, the real thing that we're saying is Portal 3 when. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do feel like Portal 2, they learned their lesson from Half-Life and tied up the story in, at the end of Portal 2. I don't think Portal 3 is going to happen. Well, not with that kind of attitude. <laughs> so basically, I think our recommendation at the end of this is go play Oberdin. Go play it. Hopefully it won't make you seasick. Don't throw up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The boat's not even moving. Why am I getting seasick? I don't know. Maybe it's because we're in Japan and we're in a permanent state of earthquakes. That's true. Only when we play that game. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) It's a 4D effect, Wes. No. (laughs) Modern technology. Okay. Well, I think that probably wraps it up. So thanks for listening. I was Jen. Oh, yeah. You can find us at Anybrose Creative on Twitter. Yeah, and at our website, anabrosecreative.com. Yep, and if you like this episode and know somebody who might also like it, feel free to share it with them. Just one person would be cool. And if you've played Oberdin and you think we're completely wrong, or if you agree with us, or anything in between, go ahead and leave a comment. Yeah. We're always interested in hearing what people say. Yes. And Just then, try not to leave spoilers, I think. Yeah, yeah, try to avoid spoilers, because that's the game's not incredibly long, and so it would be really easy to ruin it. Ruin it. Yeah. But yes, go play it if you haven't. And don't get sick. Bye. Bye.